You're listening to the Place Northwest podcast, your digital resource for the latest insight and analysis on all things property in the northwest of England. Hello, and welcome to the Place Northwest podcast series. I'm your host, Julia Hatmaker, and today we're taking a closer look at digital connections, specifically full fiber infrastructure, and we're going to bust a few myths along the way. To help break down full fiber infrastructure, including what it is, why it's important, and what is being done to improve it, I've brought along two experts, Dave Ferry, the head of enterprise sales at ITS Technology Group, and Lorna Rogers, assistant director of mayoral program delivery at Liverpool City Region Combined Authority. ITS builds networks and sells internet connections and has partnered with Liverpool City Region to help transform the region into a digital infrastructure power player. Dave, Lorna, welcome to the podcast. Dave, I'm going to have you start us out if that's okay. What is actually full fiber connection and why is it important? So a lot of the internet connections in the UK today are based on copper wires, copper technology that was built to take telephone calls around the country at the advent of the the first telephones being installed in people's houses. And that was about 100 years ago. Um, That technology has been adapted over time so that people can not just make telephone calls on that on those cables, but also access the internet. Um, But it's not perfect for internet connections and fiber optic is much better. The copper wires are a bit like a leaky water pipe and the data falls out a bit over long distances on there. And there has been a bit of an interim solution where telecoms companies have moved fiber closer to the customer's premises to generate sort of green cabinets in their, in their street or at the end of their road. But the, the link from that cabinet to their house is still served over these, these old copper wires. And the, the longer those bits of copper are, the leakier they are. So as we build out full fiber, that takes fiber all the way from the internet, in simplistic terms, all the way to the customer's premises, whether that's a home or a business. And that gives a really good quality and really good throughput. And it's much more reliable as well. It doesn't uh, doesn't fall over and break as often. And the connection, the data sent as a beam of light from one end to the other uh, of that of that piece of glass in that fiber optic cable, which gets the, really that, that future-proof technology that's ready for the, the country to go on its next phase of, of evolution. So why why is that important, Lorna? It's really, really important. Digital is such an enabler, and it's part of our everyday life now. I think COVID really brought that to bear, didn't they, in terms of how people could switch to online and still continue to work, continue to communicate with their family and friends, access services. I think Digital is such an unlocker of economic potential. So we in our region know how important it is for our businesses, but also for our residents to be able to have access to really fast, reliable, good connectivity. And it strikes me too that this goes beyond just like, it's one of those things that has become so ingrained in our lives. Like we're all living this digital life and I have zero patience for a web page taking too long to load at this point, which is magnificent when you think about how I grew up in the, t- in the time of dial-up when it'd be like 30 minutes for something to load. So is that, it really is kind of the way forward then, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, of course it is. Absolutely. It's how we, how we get ready for, for, for the next stage of our lives, both at work and at home. And I think it was probably 30 minutes to download a lot of viruses back then as well, which hopefully we've got a bit better at too. And people often think kind of how quick does a, a web page load? And when you're on kind of any 
level of relatively good connection through to a gigabit connection. You're not going to notice a web page load anymore slowly or, or, or quickly. But it's not just about the web pages. We've, we've just come through COVID. Kids have been learning from home. Parents have been working from home. We've been reliant on the internet to entertain us through all of our many streaming services that come out by direct debit every month. Um, and all that technologies that's kind of come, in, come to the fore through COVID seems to still be being used. My kids are still using Google Classroom to do their homework. I'm still working from home, I'm at home today, doing this uh, doing this with you. Um, and, uh, and we're still watching Netflix and Disney and everything else that we signed up to in, uh, in COVID. And then we think about businesses, a lot of the traffic in businesses, things like email, don't need high bandwidth. And there are businesses out there that probably can operate without a really reliable internet connection. However, for a growing segment of the market, people who are needing to transfer large files, people who have moved their uh, services and their, their platforms to the cloud in their businesses, uh, businesses with multiple sites where they need to connect those sites together, they're all heavily reliant on, on really good internet connections. And I've spoken to businesses kind of who, who create a lot of content where it's easier and quicker for them to courier that content by motorbike on a USB stick than it is to use the internet to transmit that to, to London or wherever it needs to go because the quality of their connections just just aren't there. And building out full fiber networks is going to solve that. It's also much more reliable. So those businesses who don't need the high bandwidth but do need a connection that works can rely on a low bandwidth connection over fiber a lot more than they can over copper wire. And that's really what ITS is setting out to fix on all of our networks, including our partnership and joint venture with the, the Liverpool City Region Combined Authority, but on all of our other footprints across the country too. Yeah, and Lorna, you mentioned you know earlier about why it's been important for Liverpool City Region, just thinking about like, those kids who are trying to do work on their laptop. Is there any other reason why this is especially important for Liverpool? Yes, I mean, th there's lots of reasons why it's important. I think innovation is really important for us. We want to create great jobs for the future and that is, is reliant on digital because there's lots of um, applications now and you know AI we've got lots of innovative ways in which we can deliver and, and you know live our lives I suppose so I think that's really really important but what equally is as important is that we don't leave people behind so the digital divide again exposed during COVID when we heard about families not being able to access learning for their children because they didn't have access to, to broadband or to the, the kit as well as the connectivity. So I think it's really important for us that everyone can access this. It is a fourth utility. It is so essential now. Um, we know that there's lots of work that's been done by organisations like the Good Things Foundation who have, you know, they've done lots of um, evidence-based research to show that people are happier and healthier when they're be able to be included online and be able to, you know, just simple things like paying your bills online, that can be a cheaper way. So for families that, you know, shopping online, um, accessing health advice online. So th there's lots of personal benefits, but also lots of business benefits for being able to have good connectivity. So that's why we kind of took charge and wanted to to develop our, our connectivity through our infrastructure partnership with ITS and NGE so that we know that there's not going to be not spots in areas that are left out in our region that aren't able to get access to good connectivity. Okay, so I feel like I have a really good grasp about why this is important. So we obviously, I mean, Dave, you mentioned before, we've got these copper networks and things like that. Making this switch, is it is it a really easy thing? Is it just as simple as like pressing a button and now you're full fiber or how does it go about? No, absolutely not. We've got to get that fiber. 
into the customer's premises, whether that's a, a business or a home. So when we build our networks, we build what we call our spine network. So they run down the streets and along those networks, there's points where we can connect in with bits of fiber. So we can take a piece of fiber from one of those connection points into the customer's premises and that'll get them up and running on full fiber. We put a piece of kit on the end of it, a bit like you have a, a router on your copper connection at home. Uh, not too dissimilar, but it can read that signal coming over the fiber. Um, the great thing is once you put that fiber into your premises, you're future-proof. So we can serve that now with a, a gigabit connection. We'll be able to serve that customer in the future with a 10 gigabit connection or a 100 gigabit connection or whatever comes after that as kind of a, the technology advances and the applications that demand that bandwidth start to, start to be developed as well. Um, it's also, like I said earlier, much, much more reliable. So while there's a little bit of, uh, of, of work required in bringing that connection from the street into the customer's home, it's not something they're going to have to repeat in just a few years. That, that connection that's coming in is going to serve them in the kind of short and medium term and be able to be upgraded so that they can continue to kind of grow their requirements on their connection. So how far along in this process are we? So in the UK, we're a little bit behind some other countries in the world. Um, we're about 65% gigabit capable, but that's not all fiber. So some carriers have managed to, some providers have managed to use uh, different technology over their copper infrastructure to do that, but it's still not nearly as reliable. It's still um, not got as much capacity to carry all of that data as, uh, as a full fiber connection does. Um, Obviously, like I said earlier, fiber is much less likely to fail because newer technology much less likely to have, have faults as well. Um, in the UK, is at about in the 20% of coverage for full fiber at the moment. That's accelerating all the time. There's lots and lots of people building out full fiber networks. Uh, and we're building out that infrastructure so people um, can access it now and in the future. People don't always think they need it yet. And we do have a job in the industry to do to convince people and businesses that fiber is the right thing to do and convince them why it's the right thing to do and we really want them to see the benefits of how that can help them transform their, their businesses or their or their lives uh, at home as well by having that connectivity i mean to put that into context in our region when i started this program which was in 2018 we had about four percent full fiber coverage in our region we are now at 30 percent so we have moved on somewhat um which is great but we've still got a long way to go like dave said Okay, so how can we speed up that process then? Lorna, I'm going to put you back in the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we are building a backhaul network, which is like the motorway network. And then we that will encourage other operators um, and our joint venture partners to then create the A-roads, I suppose, that spin off that and go up to the, up to the actual premises. So we've started that process. Um, one way in which we are being innovative and doing this is through our dig once policy so dig once is is us taking advantage of other capital work programs that we've got across the region so we could be doing road improvements we could be doing a housing development and we want to make sure we're putting digital infrastructure in at the same time as doing that work and there's lots of benefits for us doing that one it's cheaper for us to do it we're opening the ground up once to put this plastic duct in and fiber into the ground but it's also environmentally better because you know the energy and the effort that goes in into doing that work um and it's less disruption and i think that's a key one we want to you know not be disrupting our roads for our residents and our businesses so us doing this in a coordinated fashion is a really kind of efficient way of us getting our digital infrastructure into our region 
Absolutely. And I think if I look at what kind of ITS's role in, in, in the, the partnership with the LCRC and NGE is, our job is to kind of put the connections onto the network and get those businesses that want to make those A-roads that, that uh, Lorna talked about and build those A-roads. So the network that we're building and the networks that ITS always build are open access wholesale networks. So sometimes someone will turn up in your area and build a network and only you can only buy from them and they have a bit of a monopoly on that area for fiber. One of the ways that ITS kind of differ is we'll work on a wholesale basis. We'll work with partners who can use our infrastructure to underpin their services. So if I look in the, in the business market, it might be somebody, a business who's doing IT support. They may be doing voice over IP. They may be doing various other business services. They can piece all of that together using the LCR connect connectivity underneath that to underpin the solution. But the, the, the business, the customer, they can choose from many partners. We've got over 300 partners who can sell on our network footprint. Um, and from a residential point of view, one of our big partners is a company called The Fourth Utility who do apartment residential broadband into apartment blocks, um, basically. And we, we connect those apartment blocks to the internet for them all over the, the country, including in, in, in LCR, so that the residents of those homes can access better connectivity. And they have specific tariffs for digital inclusion. Coming back to Lorna's point earlier around making sure that the, those people who do need to access to connectivity to access services can do, some of our partners do have kind of tariffs and, and packages to, to promote that social inclusion as well. I think that's a really interesting idea to kind of elaborate a little bit more about because obviously, you know, everyone wants a digital connection, but it's so important we don't leave anyone behind in that. So, so how are we tackling that other than the digital tariffs, which you just mentioned? I mean, I think there's three reasons why people aren't connected. And we know about 23% um, of households in our region were kind of what we call e-withdrawn, so hadn't accessed the internet in the last three months. I think motivation is one of them. Why do I need to access the internet? What's in it for me? I think cybersecurity is also a fear for some people, so making sure that they can do it safely. So helping kind of encourage people to use it but use it in a safe manner is really important so we've got a number of programs we work with community and voluntary sector to put that support in place skills is another one digital skills one in five people in our region don't have the digital skills so i think a lot of our providers are you know out there and again building their relationships and building that trust with people to to come forward and to get access to that training is, is really really important but i think affordability is another big area so like Dave mentioned around the social tariffs and making it more affordable, I think we'll have an open access networks, increases competition, increases choice, drives down price. So it's really important part of our network that is open access and we can offer a range of different products um, that, that would be accessible, more accessible for some of our, our residents across the region. Absolutely. One of the other things I've seen certain providers do in the residential space, certainly in kind of maybe in social housing or, uh, or other situations where it's needed, is offer a 30-day contract rather than a 12- or an 18-month contract. Um, one of our partners has had feedback from customers. Actually, some months they may need to choose that the, they spend their money on something else and they don't want to be tied to a, a 12, an 18, a 24-month contract, which a lot of the market does does deliver to customers, and a 30-day roll-in tariff that they can kind of switch on and off as, as they need it as they can demand it and, and and when they when they want to have it has been quite popular for them it's been something that customers have told them they really like 
And I mean, just to add as well, as part of our social value in terms of the contract that we have with our partners, we are introducing some community Wi-Fi hubs. So we're working with some community organisations to put in connectivity and, you know, the beneficiaries of, of that who use that community facility and in that area will be able to get access to connectivity through that as well. Absolutely. We've talked a lot about residential homes there, which is really, really important. And it is important we get people better connectivity, but to attract the right businesses to the to, to any region, including Liverpool City region, you need to make sure we've got the right connectivity for businesses as well. And historically, businesses have been underserved. They've been able to get really expensive business-grade connections, but not necessarily always been able to access lower-value connections at the right speed, the right quality, uh, or the right level of service support that they need to kind of underpin their business with that connectivity. And that's something we're changing through the build-out of LCR Connect. We're making those services, the high-grade services, more affordable than through the the incumbents, but also making sure that those businesses can access kind of... a lower tier of products that maybe you know if you're running a really small business and cash flows tight you might not want to spend 200 pounds on the best internet connection but you do need something reliable people are trading more online e-commerce is is absolutely important and if you've not got that you're not trading in the right marketplaces certainly coming out of out of covid and even before that so we're aiming to make sure that those businesses can access the connectivity they need through our network partners uh, at the right price at the right service level to help them grow their business in the liverpool city region and then lastly, on that front, as people build more data centers and more kind of critical network infrastructure in the Liverpool city region, they'll need access to this kind of super highway that we're building, this motorway, as uh, as Lorna put it, to take their data back to where it needs to go. We're really lucky in the Liverpool city region that we've got the, the landing station for one of the transatlantic cables comes in in Southport. The Liverpool uh, LCR Connect network connects into that landing station in Southport and we can take traffic all the way across the UK to all the main data centre hubs in Manchester, in Milton Keynes, in London through our network, which is really, really important for those ultra high bandwidth businesses that need to access traffic across the Atlantic. Do you find that that's something that people come up to you like early on when they're building a new office building? They're like, we need to have fast internet connection. It's a requirement now for tenants. Yeah, absolutely. They they do. They want they want to walk in working wherever possible as well. They want to know they can turn that on quickly. So when you take a new space as a business, your water's on, your gas is on, your electricity's on, and historically it's kind of ninety days to get an internet connection in. But it's realistically, the one thing you need to be able to do business. So definitely, businesses and uh, and uh, are demanding that. And I think the property sector needs to make sure that they're, they're providing that and working with telecoms industry to make sure those services are provided and ready to go in their buildings. In terms of those ultra high speed connections across the country for data centers, they're pretty niche. But in that particular market, yes, there are people that want that kind of connectivity and they want it in the Liverpool city region. And certainly having the infrastructure available is a way the city region can attract more data centers to set up in the area that we're speaking to a couple who are, are kind of building now and putting, putting more data center infrastructure into the region. Okay, I have to say I really enjoyed the, all the imagery that's been going into place. I feel like I actually really do have a good grasp on it. That motorway, Lorna, that was excellent, top-notch. Really have like a visualization of that. Um, we've talked a little bit about obviously business connections, but Lorna, you mentioned earlier that you know you want to get in while we're doing construction work, while things are happening on a site. So how early should we be discussing digital infrastructure when we're doing developments? I mean, as early as possible, I would say the design phase, and that's that's where we're we're getting to now with a lot of the developments that we deliver with our local authority partners. We're getting in really early. We know what our spec is. We know what what we need to put in. 
Um, and I think the earlier you get it into the designs, the better. So you're, you're costing it into that big program of works um, at the earliest stage is definitely what we would advise. So, we, you know, we want that policy to be adopted by all of our partners as well, so that we're, we're building our infrastructure for the future at the very start. Yeah, and certainly if someone, you know, developers re- redeveloping an area, even just, you know, demolishing one building and, and building another, the earlier they think about that requirement for connectivity can help them attract tenants as well. So if you if you get in at the right stage, we can look at what's called resilient options. So we can bring two different internet feeds in from two different sides of the building. So if a business really does rely upon that internet connectivity to trade, they'd be interested in that. And that would be a decision-making factor for them in the space that they would choose. And we can do clever things like use somebody else's network for one of those connections, as well as bring it in at a different end of the building. Certainly some of the tech businesses that are out there, they wouldn't take a space that doesn't have those kind of options in case one of those connections gets damaged. Someone puts a jcb through it while uh, repairing a gas main or there's just a just a fault on it you know and we can design all of that stuff in if we're, we're, we're kind of engaged at the earliest stage in that development process what about when it comes to areas that aren't having major works done to them how can you ensure that this works not incredibly disruptive for the people living nearby so one of the things we do well, two of the things we do the first one Lorna mentioned earlier which is is the dig once policy which the LCR have adopted which is great we are seeing other councils adopt those kind of policies but I think one of the it's one of the better implementations of it I've seen is uh, is on this this project wherever possible though as ITS we try and reuse infrastructure so that we don't have to dig up the roads we know it disrupts people's lives and the last thing you want to do when you, you want to you know provide connections to businesses or homes is disrupt them before they can buy that service from you because it leaves them with a bit of a sour taste so wherever possible we'll reuse infrastructure we've got examples where we've done that in three different ways so the first um, way we do that through openreach's physical infrastructure access product uh, which is uh, ofcom worked with openreach a few years ago and said you're the national incumbent your network was built with public money in the main you need to make sure that your infrastructure is available to other operators to help us accelerate this rollout of fiber optic broadband and fiber optic connectivity across the country so we are licensed and established to use openreach's infrastructure to pull our cables through so it's all brand new infrastructure. We just pull it through their, their duct network, their, their, their kind of holes and poles, as, as some people in the industry put it. Others we've done, um, we've worked with tramway networks to use the, their trackside ducts to pull our fiber through. And, and we've kind of got concession agreements where with tramway networks. And in some instances, we've used council-owned ducts as well. Some, some councils have networks of CCTV duct and various other things. And again, we've arranged concessions to use those those ducts to make sure that wherever possible, we don't have to dig and digging is a last resort. That said, we're putting infrastructure under the ground and sometimes there's nobody else's hole there to pull that cable through and we do have to dig but we just aim to keep that to an absolute minimum wherever we possibly can. Now one of the things that came up Lorna you mentioned that one of the obstacles for people when it comes to accessing the internet and being you know more digitally connected is a lack of skills and then Dave you were talking about how this can be used to attract businesses and I'm feeling like a little synergy here about skills and companies am I am I on the right wavelength there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not just residents that we're, we're trying to attract for our, our kinds of digital skills. It's businesses as well, because it can unlock so many productivity gains when businesses are digitally enabled. So, you know, we've got a lot of SMEs in our in our patch and we, we offer, you know, digital training to them as well and their workforces. So I think there, there is a big focus on upskilling across 
across the board, really, both for businesses and individuals as well, who just want to, to use the internet for a kind of leisure retail um, and accessing services. So, yes, there's, there's, there's lots of focus. Um, we, we've got digital boot camps. We've got, we work with lots of our partners and our providers to make sure that we've got a whole range of, of different skills on offer, digital skills training on offer. How, how big is LCR Connect? How many miles of cable are we talking about? How expensive it is? Is it, is it like a 30 million year project? What's going on? <laughs> so the, 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 the joint with three joint venture partners. So there's the LCRCA, there's ourselves at ITS Technology Group, and there is NGE, a French civil engineering company. Uh, we've, we've, we've each put some, some money into the venture. The total value of that investment is, is 30 million pounds. And with that 30 million pounds, we'll be building a 212 kilometer fiber spine around the region. So that basically means we're building that motorway that Lorna talked about earlier. So we've taken that through the dense, so it's got access to the densest parts of the residential and business communities right throughout all six boroughs of the Liverpool city regions, all the way from South Post in the west through to Halton in the east uh, and, and making sure that that fiber is available within all of those all of those areas. Um, in terms of the length of the project, we're aiming to, to deploy that fiber within two years uh, into the ground and make sure that that's all up and running and available for businesses to access. As you'll imagine, with a network that long, it'll come on online in, in sections. It won't all be kind of a big bang turn on right across the whole region. And some sections are live now and able to take customer traffic. Uh, others will be released as we kind of get through the next few months. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Lorna. Hopefully I've done a good job. No, you have. You have. Perfect. I mean, yeah, I think our ambition was this is kind of our first phase, get the, get the backhaul network in and then we can see what we need to build off it um, from there. But I think you know, getting to this point, it, it was a challenging project. And, you know, we we had to navigate our way around a market that we, we as the combined authority, um, weren't specialists in, but that's why we brought on board our partners who are who bring that specialist expertise to help us realise what our ambitions are really, which is to kind of be a leader in terms of digital connectivity. So any businesses, investors that want to come here know that we've got the right infrastructure, we've invested in it, it's future-proofed. We've got enough capacity to last us at least 20, 30 years um, so that they can be assured they can grow their business and to exploit that digital technology. Absolutely. And because we're building an open access infrastructure, if any of those other providers want to come to us and say, hey, can I use your network to get to the bit I want to build and I'll fill in some of those gaps in between the, the spines, then we're really open to that. We're not saying this is this is ours and you can't get on it and you, you're not allowed. It's open to anybody who wants to, to access it and we've got a, you know, a commercial rate card, etc. But the, the objective is absolutely about bringing better connectivity to, to every home and business in the, uh, in the Liverpool City region as a long term objective. All right, to sum up what we've learned today then, full fiber is what we need to make sure we can have the fastest internet connection imaginable. And it's really critical that we start doing this now because the current infrastructure is copper-based and it just can't handle the demands of modern day users. Liverpool City Region is ahead of the curve and partnering up with ITS and NGE to transform the region, build up connectivity, and future-proof the digital connections of the future. Also, we can build this infrastructure in a way that isn't very disruptive if we just incorporate it into the early stages of development, which is what Liverpool's doing. What is more important, we need to make sure everyone in the community is on the same page which means educating people on what these connections mean, why they matter, and then helping them get the skills they need to make the most out of these opportunities. Is there anything I missed, guys, or did I cover it all? No, I think it's not good. 
Yeah. Great summary. Yes. Crushing it. Well, Lorna, Dave, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. And thank you, the listener, for listening in. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to learn more about the built environment, be sure to subscribe to Place Northwest podcast series, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Julia Hatmaker. Thanks for listening. <laughs>